from this place and from these people that Christ is risen. Needed uh, as we have one more song, I don't want you to stop singing uh, because this next song is, is also equally great. I, I think it's awesome. Um, but because Christ is risen, He is now our hope. He is our hope in life. He is our hope in death. So I would invite you to sing along with us, Christ, our hope in life and death.
mean, that is our only hope in this world. Christ. He is our hope in life. He is our hope in death. He is our only hope. Let's go ahead and take a few minutes of fellowship before we get to the sermon.
All right, if you've got your Bibles, turn over to Matthew chapter 28, and we have finally made it. We've made it to the last chapter in Matthew. I know some of you thought we'd never get there, but we finally did. We're down to about two or three more sermons in Matthew, and we'll finish our study. And as we turn to Matthew 28 and look at verse 1, we come to the best part. We've come to the passage we've all been waiting for. Uh, there's been a lot of good passages in Matthew. I mean, we started in Matthew 1 with... Uh, uh, the birth of Christ and, and the Christmas story, and that was years ago, and now we come to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. But there's been so many good things that we've studied and looked at. But this is the best. I mean, there's no better than Matthew 28. This is the main event. I actually titled the sermon today, The Greatest Day in History. Uh, so that's what we're going to look at today. This is the day Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead. This is not a ho-hum ser- sermon. This is not a, a gloomy sermon. This is not, I've heard it before. This is something that, as Brandon has said, we need to turn our, our frowns upside down and put a smile on our face. There's no better news in all the world than to hear that Jesus Christ has risen from the dead. This is the greatest day in history. So let's stand together. I'm going to read to you verses 1-10. through 10, And I just want us to follow this story. And see the greatest day. There's no day. You could argue with me. You could say, I like this day, that day, another day. But there's no day like this day. It's the greatest day that mankind has ever seen. And maybe the greatest day that mankind will ever see. The return of Jesus will be a big day. But no day like this one. So let me read to you these verses. Starting in verse 1, it says, In the end of the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day of the week, came Mary Magdalene and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And behold... There was a great earthquake, for the angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone from the door and and sat upon it. And his countenance was like lightning, his raiment was white as snow. And for fear of him, the, the soldiers, the keepers, did shake and became as dead men. And the angel answered and said unto the women, Fear not ye, for I know that ye seek Jesus, which was crucified. Verse 6, the best verse of the day. He is not here. For He is risen, as He said. Come see the place where the Lord lay. And then go quickly and tell His disciples that He's risen from the dead. And behold, He goes before you into Galilee. There shall you see Him. Lo, I've told you. And they departed quickly from the sepulcher with fear and great joy and did run to bring His disciples' word. And as they went to tell His disciples, behold, Jesus met them, saying, All hell. And they came and held Him by the feet and they worshipped Him. Then said Jesus unto them, Be not, be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. We'll stop there. There's some more verses we'll look at next week, but I want to just look at today the the greatest day in history. And if you don't believe me, by the time we get done, you'll say that was the greatest day ever. So let's pray together. And we'll look at these great verses. Father, I thank you that we made it this far. I'm thankful that the story doesn't end in Matthew 27. I'll say that. That's an amazing thing. That if we opened up your gospel and we read Matthew 1 through 27 and we get to the end of 27 and Jesus is buried, everybody's sad, it's dark, it's gloomy, it's no good. Then we'd have no hope, we'd have no comfort, we'd have nothing at all. But I'm thankful that we get to turn to another chapter and we get to see the resurrection of your son today. Our hope in life and in death. And I pray God that everybody in here would see that this is the greatest day in history. Because it's the day that our Savior and our Lord was risen from the dead. So teach us some things about this day, and we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. You can be seated. I want to ask you a question today. I think it's a good question. I want you to think about it. If you were given the opportunity to take one day and do whatever you wanted to do, I mean, your your wife or your husband looked at you and said, anything you want today, you get. 
Or if your kids in here today and your parents walked up to you and said, anything you want, you can have today. It is your day. We'll tell you no about it. There's going to be no no's at all. What would you do? How would you spend that day? 24 hour period. How would you spend that day? And I asked my kids that question last night. <laughs> and they didn't know I was going to use it in a sermon, but I was sitting there taking notes as they were giving me their answers. And I went around to every kid and I said, what would you do? And what would you do? And what would you, five kids. I went around to all of them. And what would you do? I got some great answers. Some things that, that I can do, some things that I can't do. But some of the most, I think four out of my five, Hallie don't count. Three out of the four kids said they want to go to Chick-fil-A. Uh, one wanted to go to Target. One wanted to play a wiffle ball game at church. Uh, there was one answer that said they wanted the full day of uh, a spa day. That wasn't the kids. That was Steph. <laughs> I, I marked that one. I might have to give her that one. But there were so many different answers that they said, this is what we would do. This is how we'd spend the day. I don't know how you'd answer that question. You might say, I'd spend all day at, at Dollywood and I've got, it'd be hot and there'd be lines and we'd be on rise and it'd be spending $20 on a hot dog and you know, it'd just be all these things. Or they say, I want to go to the lake or I want to go to the beach or I want to, whatever it is that you'd want to do. This is how I'd spend my day. And at the end of that day, when you got to do whatever you wanted to do, you'd look back at it and you'd say, that was the best day ever. I, there's nothing else I could do. That, 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 that no day will ever top that day. Well, we got a day like that here. We got a day here, and it's not your day. It's not really my day. This is the day for these women that we've been talking about for weeks. Everywhere we turn, these, these women have showed up, and here we have them in verse one, and they've showed up again. And I guarantee you, and this whole story is about the women. This is a, this is the resurrection through the eyes of two women. We get to see everything that they did. We get to see everything that they saw. We even get to their women. We get to hear how they felt. I mean, they're telling us their emotions as they go through this day. And at the end of it, I bet you if you asked them, what is the best day you've ever had? They'd say, no day tops this day. They've had some bad days. I mean, if you look at it, we've, we saw them. If you just want to look in your Bible, we saw them in verse 56. Same women. Chapter 27, it says, among which was Mary Magdalene and Mary the mother of James and Joseph, the mother of Zebedee's children. Same two Marys were right there as Jesus was crucified. They were with Him as He was uh, beaten and as He was spit upon and as He had the crown on His head and He had nails in His hands and the nail in His feet. They watched every single thing that happened on that day. That was a very bad day. What happened to Jesus was horrific and they watched every single thing happen to Him. They never left the cross as Jesus was crucified. It was a bad day. Verse 61, last week we saw Him again. And there was Mary Magdalene and the other Mary at the tomb. So they go from Jesus dying on the cross and they were there and they watched it and that was a, a bad day. And then they watched as Jesus was taken and, and laid in the tomb and the stone was rolled over the, the tomb. They watched everything that happened. That was a very bad day. So you can agree with me, they've had two bad days. A bad day watching Jesus be crucified. A bad day watching Jesus be buried. And they've had a... I mean, it's, it's been bad. But now this day is about to change everything. This day here is, is now Sunday, and they come walking back. Verse 1, look at it. And in the Sabbath, as it began to dawn toward the first day, came these same two women. I've said that. I've wondered, why does God use, is, is He showing us these women over and over and over? I think He shows us a bad day, crucifixion, an even worse day, burial. And then here they are on Sunday, and it's the best day ever. There's no day like this day. They come walking back. And they find Jesus isn't there, and for them, everything changes. 
For them, there's no day like this day. And I'll say this, it changes everything for us, for everyone. This day changes absolutely everything. It's the, the greatest day in history, the best day the world has ever seen. And I want to show it to you today. Let's just follow these two women. The resurrection, I almost titled it that, the resurrection through two women. I don't know that I've ever preached this. I don't know, maybe you've never heard this before. The resurrection through the eyes of these two women. I know why these women are at the burial and at the crucifixion and now they're at the resurrection. God is using them as, as two eyewitnesses to His resurrection. So let's look at it. I want you to see the simple facts, the simple events, the simple emotions. It's all there. All the details of the greatest day in history. It's like they're sitting there saying, let me tell you about my day. And now they tell us. So let's look at it. I've, I've got three points for you about the greatest day in history. I want to show you, first of all, the miracles that they saw on that day. The miracles that they saw. It says in verse 1, and I just want us to work through our, these ten verses. It says in verse 1, that in the, in, the, in the end of the Sabbath, now they're telling us the day and the time. They want us to get this. God wants us to know this. He's telling us what day it is and what time it is. It's the end of the Sabbath, which means that that Sabbath was Saturday. So Saturday has ended, and now it's dawning towards the first day of the week, which is Sunday. So it's dawning towards that. So the Sabbath has ended, Saturday's over, and now it's very early on Sunday morning. To the point where it's, it's kind of dark, yet the sun is coming up. So that, that's the scene that's being set there. These women got up really early to go to the tomb on Sunday morning. Dark when they got up, sun is rising as they are going towards the tomb. That's the, the day and time. And these women are coming to the tomb. Here they are again. I mean, they just keep popping up. And this time they've come to anoint the body. I said last week, I think maybe they watched the men do it and said they ain't doing it right. Uh, we're going to come back Sunday because we can't do anything on the Sabbath. So we'll come back on Sunday and, and we'll go there. And it says, in, I think it's in Mark, that as they're walking there, they're thinking, how are we going to get that large stone away from the door so we can go in there and add some more perfume to his body? But it's amazing to me that they show up. These are faithful women. I, I, I want to just spend a few minutes talking about these women are following, literally following Jesus everywhere He goes. Even in death. They followed Him to the cross when all the other disciples had abandoned Him. They followed Him to the tomb where there's, there's, there's nobody else there. And now on the resurrection, they followed Him there too. This is a loving, loyal women all the way even unto death. These women are, are the few and not the many. They, they've not run away. They, they stayed there. And God is going to bless them because of it. He's going to use Him greatly. Just showing up is a big deal. God's not going to use them as preachers. He's not going to use them as leaders of the church. But he's going to use them as the, the first faithful witnesses to the resurrection. But not only are they faithful, I think they're forgetful. Because they show up with absolutely no expectations for there to be a resurrection. Jesus has said over and over and over, throughout His three years of ministry, I go to Jerusalem and I'm going to die and they're going to crucify Me, but on the third day I'm going to rise again. He said that over and over and over. Even the, the, the Pharisees knew that. Verse 63 of chapter 27 says, Sir, we remember that the deceiver Jesus said while He's alive, after three days I'll rise again. They remembered that, but these women had no thought of it. They were faithful, but they were forgetful. All they expected when they got there was a stone and a dead body. They had totally forgot what Jesus had said. And here they show up. 
Look at it. There came Mary Magdalene and the, mother, and the other Mary to see the sepulcher. And I love these next two words. And behold. This would be, and pay attention. This would be, wow! This would be all eyes on this. We, we can't believe what we're seeing now. I mean, it was sad. It was somber. It was, it was hard. They, they, they thought they was going to see a stone and, and Jesus laying there in the tomb. This was, this was the, the, the worst day. And behold. What happens? It says in verse 2, there was a great earthquake. The earth begins to shake. It begins to tremble. The, the ground beneath their feet is, is shaking underneath them. And, and they're, they're kind of wobbling now as they're approaching the tomb. As they get closer, there's, there's a, a center of the earthquake right there in that place at that spot. It, it's beginning to shake. We've talked about earthquakes. We saw earthquakes at Mount Sinai when God gave the law and the whole mountain shook greatly. We saw at Calvary as Jesus is dying, the, the, the ground began to shake. When Jesus returns in the second coming in judgment, there's going to be an earthquake all over the whole globe. And now here, it's this great, big, mega earthquake hit. God is speaking. God is making a point. God is saying, pay attention. Every time God shakes the earth, He's saying, I'm up to something very big. And maybe this is the biggest of them all. So he's shaking the ground. There's a, a great earthquake here. This is, I said last time we talked about earthquakes, this is the exclamation point. Pay attention. And why did the earthquake, watch this. I thought, I thought this was great. For, I think this is what caused the earthquake. The angel of the Lord had descended from heaven. There's an angel that comes down from heaven. And I, th I think he came down and hit the, hit the, the, the ground like a meteorite. I mean, he, he, he just hit and, and the whole earth shook as, as the angel came down. There's actually two angels there. If you, if you read the, the rest of the stories, there's one outside the tomb and there's one inside the tomb. These are two heavenly witnesses to go along with these two women, earthly witnesses. And I think it's Luke that says this angel looks like a young man. The word young man is not like he looks like a little boy, but he looks like a very strong man. And it actually says he's a he here, so he's taking the form of a, of a man. So we have this angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came down from heaven, and what did he do? This is a glorious angel who is, look at this, he rolled back the stone. He didn't roll back the stone so Jesus could exit, he rolled back the stone so the women could enter. And he'd roll back this massive stone, this extra large stone. He'd, he'd open the door to the tomb. It, it's like he went and, and I, I don't know how strong this angel was. I don't know if he, if he pushed it with his hands. I, I don't know if he had the power to just say, hey, uh, you move now. And it, and it rolled away. It would take all kinds of men to get this stone to move. And the angel come down and just kind of pushed it away like, a, like it's a beach ball. And then what does he do? He does what I would do. If I had the power to move something that big with just a, a, a touch, what would I do next? I'd sit on that thing. <laughs> right? Here's what I think about your big stone. Right? I'm going to sit on that thing. I'm going to show that I'm stronger than this stone. And that's what, look what it says. He rolled back the stone from the door. He opened the door and sit on it. What a picture. Again, it's like God saying, here's what I think about your stone. You set up guards. You set up a, a seal. You put this big stone in front of the, uh, of the tomb saying nobody could get in. Well, watch this. And the angel come down and moved it and sat on it. 
If it was me, I'd have this you know, smug look on my face like, yeah. I think that's what God's saying. Here's what I think of death. Here's what I think of your stone. I've conquered that thing. And then it tells us what the angel looked like. Behold, there was a great earthquake. The angel of the Lord descended from heaven, came and rolled back the stone, set on it. Verse 3, his countenance was like lightning. Now let me stop here just for a second. This is, this is starting to become a better day. Things are starting to look up for these women. I mean, they've showed up and now there's been an earthquake. That's kind of scary. And then an angel has fallen from heaven and they're sitting on top of the stone and it's rolled away. This day is starting to get a little bit exciting. This angel says his countenance is like lightning. As bright as lightning. Clothes like snow. Blazing heavenly presence. Shining with a radiant glow. That's what angels are going to look like coming from heaven. They've been in the presence of God. It's like Moses when he was in Mount Sinai and he came down and, and was shining. His hair was white from the glory of God. And he's, this angel has come down and he's shining with the glory of God. It, it's still dusk. It's still kind of dark. And, and this bright presence is there on top of the stone. Look what's next. This just keeps happening. Miracle after miracle. Verse 4. And because they were scared of him, I don't know what was shaking more, the ground beneath their feet or the knees of these soldiers. And for fear of him, the angel, the keepers did shake and fell unconscious. I mean, I think God's saying there, you can't keep me out. You put a stone there. You put soldiers there. You put a seal there saying nobody can enter. Do not enter. No trespassing. You can't get past this seal. Nobody's going to get in. Nobody's going to get out. And now God is saying, I'll show you. I'll move the stone. I'll I'll scare the soldiers. These big, brawny soldiers who had seen everything. Ain't nothing they ain't seen. I can imagine these guys are saying, I ain't scared of nothing. (laughs) Until something shows up. Something they ain't never seen before. And they fall over like dead men. These guys are out cold. I mean, can you imagine? Shaking, and then boom, they fall over. Fear, passing out, awestruck, dumbstruck. Laying in front of the tomb. Everything that had been there keeping people away is now gone. The guards have passed out. The stone is rolled away. The seal is gone. And God is making a big show out of the resurrection of His Son. He's doing it in style. I love that about my wife. She does birthday parties like nobody else. Hallie's birthday will come up and she'll start planning Hallie's birthday. Her second birthday, she started planning it on her first birthday. You know, what are we going to do? What are we going to buy? What are we going to hang? What are we going to, what's the, the table's going to look like? And what kind of cake are we going to have? And all these things that she's done it with all of our kids. And I say, why do you do that? Just buy them a cake, give them $5, let's get it done. And she'll say, if we're going to do it, we're going to do it in style. We're going to go all out. It's our kid's birthday. I say, alright, it's fine. I think God's saying, this is my son's resurrection and I'm doing it in style. I want to get people's attention. I'm going all out. I'm having an earthquake. <laughs> I'm sending an angel. I want to roll a stone away. I want to make these guys pass out. It's going to be miraculous. Because that's the only way to do it, right? God's going all out. He's getting people's attention. 
This is this and it's alone here. It's a it's more to make it a memorable memorable day, unforgettable day, a great day. The resurrection of God's own Son deserves a miracle, an amen, a, a punctuation on it. So that's what they get. Now listen, at the end of verse four, that's a pretty good day, but there's more to it. So we see the miracles they saw. I want to show you the, the message they heard on that day. Verse 5, Now <laughs> the angel answered. Now, now, now we've got words. The angel opens his mouth and he begins to speak. And what is he going to say? He says that he could say a lot of things. You, you understand that there are death angels? <laughs> and if you're going to see an angel, I, people say that all the time, I saw an angel. Was it a death angel? You'd rather have a life angel than a death angel. Uh, this is a, what's, what's the angel going to say here? You've got death angels coming in, in Revelation that's going to be bad news. You don't want to deal with those angels. Warrior angels. Conquering angels. That's not what this angel is. It says, and the angel answered and said unto the women. I like that. He says, don't, don't be scared. Because I think they're probably shaking in their boots now. Shaking in their sandals. And I think they're about to pass out. Two soldiers are already down. Two women sitting there thinking, oh no, you know, I'm going down next. Earthquake, lightning, I mean, there's all these lights and everything going on. We're going to die. And he says, fear not. Same thing the angel said in Luke 2 when Jesus was born. Fear not, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. He says, fear not. It's not a death angel. There's no rebuke here. He says, don't, don't be afraid. Calm down. Don't pass out on me. For I know that you seek Jesus, which was crucified. I know why you're here. You seek Jesus. You're, you're in the right place. I know what, what you're doing here. Your day's about to get better. <laughs> and then he gives these climactic words in verse 6. I mean, these are, these are great words. He says, and you need to mark verse 6. I know you're seeking Jesus. I know you came for Him. But I got some bad news for you. He's not here. But I got some good news for you. He is risen. And there's only one word here. He has been raised. Which means He, he had already, it's past tense. He, he's been raised from the dead. Just as He said. Just as He had told you over and over and over. I told you I have the power to lay it down. I have the power to raise it up again. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the life. He said it over and over and over. I'm going to be raised from the dead. And He did it just as He said He would. He's not here. And that's it. <laughs> that's it. I mean, I walk away from verse 6 and I think, I need a little bit more than that. Don't you? I mean, how did it happen? What happened? When did it happen? How, how, how long ago did it happen? But we don't get that. We don't see the actual resurrection because there was no one there who saw it. We don't get an explanation of it here. All we get in verse 6, and, and that, that's all that we need, I think, in verse 6, is the simple fact that it happened. He's not here. He is risen just like He said He was. I, I think that's enough. You know why that's enough? Because these angels... And it should be enough for us. These angels are messengers from God. 
So that God has sent, God Himself, the Father has sent this angel down and said, I want you to go to the tomb. And I want you to give these two women a message from me. Are you with me? And I want you to tell them exactly what I'm telling you to tell them. I don't want you to add anything to the message. I don't want you to take anything from the message. You might want to write this down. You tell them, He is not here, for He is risen, just as He said. Repeat it again. He is not here, for He is risen, just as He said. Say it to me again. He is not here, for He is risen, just as He said. And I'm sure as the angel is falling down from heaven and landing at the tomb, he's saying, I've got one message. It's coming from God. It's from His mouth. He is not here, for He is risen, just as He said. This is a message from God about His own Son. That Jesus is alive. This angel speaks on behalf of God and only says what God says. So in verse 6, God is telling us, the Father is telling us that Jesus is risen from the dead. And if that ain't good enough for you, He says, come on in and look. <laughs> you see that? I, you, you don't have to take my word for it. He says, come on in. Look at that. Come. You see that? See the place where the Lord lay. Come see for yourself. See it with your own eyes. A, a witness. Two witnesses get to go in and they kind of stoop down and they, they walk in and they look where he should have been laid, where they saw Joseph of Arimathea laid him in that spot. And they go in there and they look and Jesus isn't there. Mary and Mary are looking now at the very spot where he was laid after he died. And he's not there. What is there? <laughs> you know what's there? We said that Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus wrapped his body. They didn't embalm them, they wrapped. So they would have taken strips of cloth and wrapped him like a mummy. His arms, his torso, his legs down to his feet, around his head with a napkin over his face. And they would wrap and put some spices on and they'd wrap and put some spices on. And they'd wrap and put some spices on. So that if somebody was going to come in and steal the body, you know what they'd have had to have done? I would have, and anybody who's smart would have, just taken the body and picked it up as it's already wrapped and walked away with it, right? Or you would have had to have taken, and like you would a mummy, take the end of it and just roll it. And it would have had to have unraveled. And you'd have to get the clothes off that way, right? That's, that's the only way you can do it. You're either going to pick the whole body up, which is wise. You don't want to touch a dead body. That's defiling of a Jew. You don't want to do that. So just touch the cloth. Two or three people pick him up and walk him away. And that's how you'd steal a body. You wouldn't want to sit there in the tomb and say, let's keep unwrapping. And, they, and if you unwrapped it, it'd be a mess. There'd be cloth laid everywhere in the tomb. But you know what they saw when they looked in the tomb? They looked in the tomb... And they saw his grave clothes laying exactly where they were. As if he had just gone through them. It says they were laying neatly exactly where he laid. Like you had taken the, the body out of the, out of the wrapping and it just folded in on itself. Neatly laying there. How in the world would somebody steal a body and do that? Take the body out? 
rewrap it. <laughs> There's no way. What happened was, Jesus went up and out of the cloth. He wasn't unwrapped. <laughs> he was risen. Is that not what God said? He's not here, for He is risen. He went up and out of the grave clothes, and He was not unwrapped. He was risen. That's what they saw. And they're looking there at it. They're saying, yeah, He was risen. Just as He said. We, we heard Him say it. I remember it now. And now He's risen. And they're sitting there, and I think their jaws are on the floor, and they're uh, aghast. I mean, this is, this is crazy. And the angel says, hey, 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 hey. You know, you, you would be doing the same. You'd be sitting there looking at it. Looking around the tomb. <gasps> and the angel says, wait, 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 wait. This, 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 don't, don't, don't do that. Watch what he says. Get out of here. <laughs> Verse 7. The angel says, hey, 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 hey. You don't just stay here. You go. Get out of here. And do it fast. Right? That's what he says. Go quickly. Get out of here. Fast. And go and tell his disciples the message. I like this. What's the message that they are to go and tell the disciples? Get out of here. Go tell the disciples. Go find them. And tell them. And I would take a pen and underline. This is the message they are to tell the disciples. And this is the message that you find in the book of Acts every time the disciples preach. This is the message as you go into Romans that we are told to preach. That it is that we are to believe within our hearts that God hath raised Him from the dead. This is the message of, of Ephesians that God raised Him from the dead. This is the message in Revelation that God is raising from the dead. That He is He is alive. This is the message of the church throughout all history. This is the message that we are to be preaching everywhere that we go. The message is right there. You go and tell His disciples Jesus is risen from the dead. That's our message. That He who was crucified and buried is now alive. That's the Gospel. That's the good news. That's what everybody needs to hear. Go and tell the disciples. And then you tell them to meet me where I told them. You see that? That He goeth before you into Galilee. There you shall see Him just as He told you. Lo, I have told you. Jesus said, I'm going to rise again and I'll meet you in Galilee. Everything is going according to the plan of God. This isn't news that you can keep to yourself. This is news that must be shared. It means very little to us. And I'm going to stop here and apply this to you. It means very little to us. If we can stop it, come and see. And we don't get to go and tell. You see those words there? He said in verse 6, come and see. And he says at the start of verse 7, go and tell. We spend way too much time coming and seeing and none of the time going and telling. This message is not a message we can keep to ourselves. And yet we've been keeping it to ourselves. If you know that Jesus is risen from the dead, then you need to tell everybody that you know Jesus is risen from the dead. This is not something we should ever keep to ourselves. This is what we need to tell. 
This is what we need to share. This is what people need to hear. This is the good news of the Gospel of Jesus Christ. It's not good news. We, we love the crucifixion. We love the burial. But if it stops right there, it's bad news. He's gone. He's dead. The story is over. But if we get to Matthew 28 and He is risen from the dead, that's the best news anybody has ever heard. This is our comfort. This is our hope. This is the only way that sinners can be made right with God, that we can escape hell and enter into heaven, is that Jesus is alive. Go and tell Jesus is risen from the dead. If I stop the sermon right there, I think these ladies would say, that's the best day ever. Right? Two points today. I'll let you out 20 minutes early. This is the best day ever. They saw a bunch of miracles. They met an angel. The message is, is, is the best news they'd ever heard. They just heard the gospel. Jesus is alive. I mean, it couldn't get any better. But it does. You ready for the last point? The miracles that they saw, the message that they heard, the meeting that they'll never forget. Look what it says. Verse 8. And they departed quickly. I've actually drawn a line from verse 7. It says, and go quickly. And verse 8, and they departed quickly. You know what that's called? Obedience. They did exactly as they were told to do. They took off running as fast as their little legs could take them. I mean, they, they, they lifted up their skirts and they took off. And their sandals, they might even picked up their sandals and went barefoot. I mean, they were running as fast as they can. It says, and they departed quickly from the sepulcher. They, and, and I looked up in the thesaurus. They fled. They bolted. They sprinted. They took off. They went without delay. I, I could give you some more, but just, just to get the point, this is not a, a slow walk back. This is not a, well, we just saw an empty tomb. Let's take our time. They took off. They run. And here's how they felt as they ran. They went from the sepulcher with fear and great joy. I, mean, there's, there's, I like that. There's a little bit of fear. What, what, what did we just see? And then there's a, a whole lot of joy. You get that? There's fear and there's great joy. So the, the fear is starting to go away. The, 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 the shaking is starting to go away. The, I just witnessed an earthquake and, and an angel and he, and he spoke to me and the, the tomb is empty and this is amazing and it's kind of scary. But now there's also this joy that's beginning to take over. And that's what the resurrection should do for all of us. That the world is full of fear and turmoil and tragedy. But we know that our Savior is alive. And that brings us great joy. Can you believe this? I can imagine them talking to each other. This is the best day ever. He's alive. They came to the tomb sad and they're walking away or running away glad. They came to the tomb with, with uh, he's dead and we need to anoint him and they, they walk away with he's alive and we need to tell everybody. Everything's changed. They, they will never be the same again. The world will never be the same again. Sundays will never be the same again. You get that? Because Jesus is resurrected on Sunday, every Sunday now has changed. So they go to tell the disciples the good news. See that? And they did run to bring His disciples' word. Doing exactly as the angel told them to do. Go quickly, tell His disciples. They depart quickly to tell the disciples. And then as they went to tell His disciples, there's that word again. Behold. 
the best part of the day. The very best part of the day. Up to this point, it had been good. The miracles, the angels, the message, the earthquake, the news, all those things have been good. Best day ever. And then behold, and I would underline this, I would star this, I would put arrows to this, and as they're running, I don't know where he popped out from, I don't know how far down the road they got until it happened, but it says, and Jesus met them. Not an angel, Jesus. They run into, not Jesus like He was on the cross. Not Jesus beaten and bloodied and bruised. Not Jesus with blood pouring down His face like they just saw Him. But they now run into the victorious, death-conquering, Satan-defeating, risen Savior in all of His glory. They run into Jesus so different than they'd ever saw Him before. They meet Jesus. It says that. Jesus met them. And Jesus said to them, and, and, and you get right here and you say, okay, Jesus is going to say something so great here. I mean, just, uh, this is going to be an amazing statement. I mean, that's what I'm looking for. This is kind of the, the, the crescendo. I mean, here it is. Jesus speaks alive for the first time. And what is he going to say? King James says, all hell. In the Greek, it's the word sharit. I looked it up and I followed it through the New Testament and you know what it means? Hi. That's what it means. It means hello. It means what people in England would say top of the morning to you. It means good morning. It means greetings. It means we would say, what's up? <laughs> it means, hey. It means, how you doing? And he just, it's a simple greeting that you'd have in the streets as you pass somebody by and you see your friend, you say, hey, you say, hi, you say, hey, what's up? You say, top of the morning to you. I mean, it's just a, a regular greeting. They meet the crucified, risen Savior, glorified, death defeating, devil stopping, glorified Savior. And he says, hi. That's what, that's what it is. So simple. So amazing. He could have said anything. He could have preached a sermon. He says, hey ladies. Amazing. You say, why? I say, I don't know. That's just the simplicity of Jesus. It reminds me as a pastor that I never need to speak on some kind of higher level than people where they can't understand a word I say. Sermons need to be as simple as Jesus says. common. I love it. And when he says hi, you can put hi outside all hell. And they came and held him by his feet. You know what they did? They didn't look at him and say, what's up? They didn't say, hi. When they saw him, and he said, hi. They immediately fell on their faces and grabbed him by the feet. Yes. You say, why is it so he grabbed him, they grabbed him by, the, by his feet? I think to show us that he's not a ghost. 
I think to show us that He is real. I think to show us that He is in a resurrected, glorified body. And they grab Him by those feet that He had just had nailed to a cross. And they had seen washed blood off His feet to be buried. And there He stands and they bow down at His feet, His real feet, and wrap their hands around Him. And it says, and they worshipped Him. We have a wrong understanding of worship today. We, we try to differentiate between church services as this is the worship when we sing and this is the preaching when we preach. You understand that the entire service ought to be a worship service. And music isn't worship. I don't think they sang Jesus a song here. I don't think they got down on their faces and grabbed his feet and started singing, To God be the glory, great things he hath done. You know what real worship is? And it's that way in song. It's that way in preaching. It's that way in our giving. It's that way in living our lives. I think the ultimate act of worship is what they do here, which is what the word worship means, is they bow down before Him as their Savior who died on a cross and as their Lord who is resurrected from the dead. That is worship. We come to church and we worship, but we must live our lives as bowing down, submitting to Jesus as our Savior who died and as the Lord who is risen. And if you don't do that, your worship in music is no good, your worship in church is no good, your giving is no good until you have bowed down and submitted to Jesus Christ as Lord. That is worship. And if you come to church and worship on Sunday, but you live how you want during the week, you ain't worship the Lord. They bow down. We all must bow down to Jesus. You say, what does that mean? The Bible says one day every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord and every knee will bow. Isaiah 6, when he saw the Lord high and lifted up, the first thing he did was fall down as a dead man. On his face. Revelation 1, when John saw Jesus in this same form, he bowed down like a dead man. I'm not saying we need to get on our faces. I'm not saying we need to be flat out on the floor. I'm saying we need to submit our lives to this Lord. That's worship. That I do whatever He tells me to do. That's what they're doing here. They've seen the crucifixion. They saw every bit of it. I like this. They've seen the crucifixion. They saw Him die. They heard His words. They heard uh, it is finished. They saw the burial. That He really went into the tomb and He was really dead. And now they see with their own eyes Jesus standing in front of them alive and well. They know truly this is the Son of God. And the only response to the Son of God in their presence is to bow down in worship. If this isn't the response that you give, you've never met the Lord Jesus. He's Savior who died on the cross and Lord who has risen from the dead. We've got so many people who Jesus died for me. Yeah, but He is risen from the dead and He is Lord. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. You better have done that. 
or you've never met the Lord Jesus Christ. So they do. They bow down. And then Jesus says more than high here. Watch this. Verse 10. Then said Jesus unto them, Don't be afraid. And He tells them the same thing that the angel said. Go and tell them. We'll look at this word. Go and tell my brethren. I don't have time to get into it, but I could. He didn't say go and tell them. That's His disciples. He calls those cowardly, deserting, quitting disciples who have run from Him and denied Him and been nowhere to be found while He died on the cross. He said, you go and tell my friends. You, you go and tell them. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee and there shall they see me. And they take off. And they run. I like that. It's the repeated message. Go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell. Go and tell the greatest news that's ever been heard. That, that, that is all of Matthew 28. Jesus is alive. Go and tell. Jesus is alive. Go and tell. And it's the, the Great Commission. Go into all the world and preach the good news, the Gospel of Jesus Christ, that He who was dead and buried is now alive. Go and tell. Go and tell. We should never keep our religion to ourselves. I get told that all the time today. It's good for you. You, you, you do you. Live your life. But don't, don't try to force it on me. Tell that all the time. Don't force it on me. Don't force it on me. Don't force it on me. Listen, I've bowed down to Jesus and He has told me to go and tell everybody I can tell the good news that He is alive. And I listen to Him. I don't listen to you. I don't bow down to the culture who tells me to be quiet. I bow down to Jesus who tells me to speak up. We go into all the world and we preach the Gospel and we tell everybody that we can, He who was dead and crucified is now alive. It's the best news anybody will ever hear. He says, go and tell. That He who was crucified and dead and buried is now alive. And I like this part. And tell them you've met Him for yourselves. You've seen it for yourself. It's not a very good message. You get this. Let's just go back through it. You guys want to start back in verse 1? <laughs> Look at this. They are told by the angel, verse 7, Go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead. And behold, he goeth before you into Galilee, and there you shall see him, and lo, I have told you. There you go, verse 7. The angel says, Go and tell that he's risen. Okay. So what if they go to his disciples and they say, He's risen from the dead? The disciples are going to look at him and say, What? Did you see it for yourself? Well, no. But now they've met Jesus, and Jesus says, Now go and tell the brethren, and tell them that, that, that you're going to Galilee, and there's, there's, they shall see me. Now they'll say, did you see Him for yourselves? We did. We bowed down at His feet. We grabbed at His ankles. We, we worshipped Him. He talked to us. He's real. It's not a ghost. It's not a figment of our imagination. This isn't a fairy tale. It's real. We made for ourselves. So the message of the Gospel is He who was crucified, dead, and buried is now alive. And let me tell you, I made Him myself. Now there's the message. Turn with me to Luke 24, real quick. Luke 24. <laughs> I 
think it's verse 10. Let me see if I can... Yeah, there we go. This is when they get to the disciples. And it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women that were there with them which told these things unto the disciples, the apostles. And their words seemed to them as idle tales. And they believed them not. The women went and told. And the disciples said, Sounds like a fairy tale to me. Don't sound too real. You making that up? So the women went and told the message. Jesus was crucified. We saw Him get buried. And now He's alive. And the disciples say, ah, not too sure. You know why they say they're not too sure? Because they haven't seen Him for themselves. That's when reality hits. There's a lot of people, and I've got to say this, who know about the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, they've never met Him. There's a lot of people who have met the church, but not met Christ. There's a lot of people who may have met the messenger, who told them about Christ, but they've never met Christ for themselves. There may be people in here today who can tell me all about the resurrection story. They can tell me He was crucified, dead, buried, and resurrected. But none of that means a whole lot until you've met Him for yourself. So my question to you today as I'm closing is, have you met the crucified Jesus? The risen Savior? If not, I would love to introduce you to Him. I believe that even today He is still alive. I don't know that I'll get to it, but forty days later, Jesus is going to ascend into heaven where He is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Even right now, He's alive today. And I believe uh, Revelation 2 and 3 says that He walks through His church. And I believe that He speaks through His Word. I believe that He is alive and well and saves even today. I believe that He, he forgives sins. I believe that He changes lives. I believe that, that He does today what He did for Mary Magdalene. This Mary who was at the cross when she met Jesus, she was never the same. She had seven demons cast out of her. She knew forgiveness. She knew freedom. She knew Jesus. And you can too if you'll put your faith in Him. You can know the same Jesus. You can know salvation. You can know forgiveness. You can know freedom. You can know the changing of a life. You can too if you'll say, my Lord and my Savior. And you'll bow down and say, I am yours. And I believe that if you do today, if you'll put your faith in Him today, in who He is, what He did, I believe it will be the greatest day of your life. Because I didn't give. My kids last night, they did this to me. I went around the room. I said, Emma, what would be the best day ever? What would you do? Target, dolls, just jump. Chick-fil-A. I mean, my, my kids are simple. Then I went to a Christian. It was Wiffle Ball. And it was Chick-fil-A. And it was Mommy Josh's house. Robos. <laughs> then I went to, to Isaiah. And it was playing basketball. And Chick-fil-A. And uh, getting him a new pair of shoes. And then I went to Gracie. And it was, I want to go to England. And... Uh, <laughs> 
And I went to Steph, and it was a spa day. And, and I went to Marley, and it was a new bone. And, it was, uh, and then everybody looked at me and, and said, Dad, what would yours be? And I, I, I just kind of changed the subject. Because I knew that I'd already had the best day ever. I know you're, what you're thinking. You're thinking the, the day you married Steph. I said, that was a good day. The day Gracie was born and made you a father, that was a good day. The day your boys were, were Gracie was born, and, and the boys were born, and two more girls were born. <laughs> the day you become pastor of this church, that was a good day. I've had all kinds of good days. But the greatest day of my life was the day Jesus met me. No day like it. There'll never be another day like it. Because I was sitting in a church a lot like this one. No idea that it would be the greatest day of my life. No clue. And sitting in that pew and God, through His Word, spoke to old Josh's heart. I believe Jesus was walking through that church that day and met me where I was sitting. I don't think he said hi. But he said there was the gospel through his word that was so simple that even Josh could understand it. That Josh, if you'll put your faith in Jesus, you'll be saved today. Your sins will be forgiven. You'll escape hell. You'll enter into heaven. You'll be made right with God if you'll put your faith in Jesus today. And you know what I did that day? Thinking about it, Jesus met me where I was. And I'm not, I'm not puffing myself up because Jesus met me. I, I'm not going to say, I met Jesus. I found Jesus. I searched for Jesus and found Him. I, I, I. It has nothing to do with I, I, I. It was all about Him. He met me where I was sitting. I put my faith in Him and the next thing I know, and I don't even know how it happened, I was at the altar on my face. And I remember getting up that day thinking, I'll do anything He tells me to do. What changed? I met Jesus. And if you're sitting here today, your story may not sound like mine or Mary Magdalene's who met Jesus or these ladies who met Him here or uh, Paul who met Him in Acts chapter 9, but your story must be similar that Jesus came by His Word and by His Spirit and, and met you where you were and you put your faith in Him and, and, and you, your sins were forgiven and you escaped hell and you entered into heaven you were made right with God and the very next reaction to Him was bowing down and saying, I'll do whatever He tells me to do. He is the, the Lord of my life life. If you hear that you're saved, you have a similar story to that or you're not saved. And you look back on it today and I guarantee you say it's the greatest day of your life. No day like it. And if you're here today and you're not saved, today could be the greatest day of your life. If you'll put your faith in Him. And you could sing that song that Brandon don't like, but I like. You know what it is? It was on a Sunday, somebody touched me. It was on a Sunday, somebody touched me. It was on a Sunday. You guys should have joined me, but you haven't. It was on a Sunday, somebody touched me. It must have been the hand of the Lord. Glory, glory, glory. Somebody touched me, right? 
I mean, we, that's what we sing. That's what we, we praise God for because it's the greatest day of our lives. And I'll tell you this, if you have met Jesus and you are saved and you've submitted to Him and bowed down to Him, then I'm calling the rest of you to go and tell everybody about it. I've met the crucified and the risen Lord. It's the greatest news that the world will ever hear about a Savior who's crucified, buried, and risen and He'll save anybody who comes to Him. What a message! They can know Him. And they can meet Him. Why? I don't want to do it, but I'm going to. He lives. He lives. Christ Jesus lives today. He walks with me and talks with me along life's narrow way. He lives. He lives. Salvation to impart. You ask me how I know He lives. He lives within my heart. Rejoice, rejoice, O Christian. <laughs> I, won't, I won't go into any more. Put a smile on your face. If you've met Him, it's the greatest thing in the world. If you've not, you can today. It's the greatest thing in the world. Is this not? And, and I'll, I'll close here. I'm done. Is this not the greatest day in the history of the world? And the second greatest day is the day you met Him. And the third greatest day that will ever happen is the day you see Him face to face. Let me go through the greatest days. I'm not done. <laughs> the great... I put my notes up. The greatest day ever is the day Jesus was resurrected from the dead. We can all agree to that. The second greatest day ever is the day that you met the crucified and risen Savior. And the next greatest day will be the day that you graduate from this life into the next and the first face you see is the risen Jesus. Yeah, we should leave here happy today. Amen. And you know what? Go and tell somebody about it. Go and tell somebody. He lives, he lives, Christ Jesus lives today. That's going to be what I put on Facebook today. Everybody, everybody in my Facebook will think it's Easter. Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the resurrection. We thank you for the simplicity of this story. It was so simple that children can understand it. And God, I ask you to forgive me for ever trying to be complicated trying to be above people's heads, trying to go above high. And I pray, God, that in the simplicity of the gospel message here today, that you've used it to open people's eyes to the truth of our Savior and our Lord, and that they today would put their faith in Him and bow their knee and say, I'll do whatever He tells me to do. I'll live for Him. I'll follow Him wherever He leads. Like those women, following the cross, following the tomb, following the resurrection doing whatever they're told to do. That's, that's the life of a Christian. And God, I pray that you would help us to live that, not just to live it and to know it, but to go and tell everybody that we can that he lives, he lives. Christ Jesus lives today. Thank you for the resurrection. Thank you for this passage. And we ask and pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.